We're here in Major Square, the best known place when it comes to the Christmas story. And the whole town is gearing up for the Christmas celebrations. The Christmas story is probably one of the best known stories in the Bible. And every shop around the Church of the Nativity here celebrates and commemorates the birth of Jesus in little olive wood manger scenes. A scene that is repeated countless times throughout churches in the world. But the story that we're going to tell you today concerning the birth of Jesus is remarkably different and astonishing from what traditionally we've been taught. This quiet hillside in Bethlehem has been a major tourist attraction for generations. It's known as Shepherd's Fields, and the news declared here by angels changed the course of all human history. It's all about celebration of what the world calls Christmas, which just wouldn't be complete without the traditional manger scene that's presented on countless Christmas cards that's reenacted in pageants and displayed in every tourist store in Bethlehem as an olive wood souvenir. But who exactly are the characters in the cards, the pageants, and the nativity set? The central focus, of course, is the baby Jesus, his mother Mary, and his earthly guardian Joseph. Incidentally, according to the Gospel of Matthew in the Bible, the picturesque wise men from the East bearing gifts actually arrived later on the scene sometime after the birth of Jesus when the Holy Family were quartered in a house in Bethlehem. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11 says that on coming to the house, not an inn or a stable, but coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Every manger scene will have a few animals, and finally, standing in the background will be a few shepherds worshiping the baby Jesus. Those shepherds would seem to be perhaps the most insignificant persons of the nativity story. But we're going to put a spotlight on them because they had an incredibly important part in this great moment in human history. In researching this, I'm using several important resources. First of all, of course, is the account in the Bible, and also a classic book from the 19th century, The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah by Alfred Aldersheim. I'm also indebted to an article by Jürgen Bueller of the International Christian Embassy in Jerusalem. So what's so special about these shepherds who watch their flocks by night? I'll never forget taking a tour group to Bethlehem and visiting a shop whose owner said that they were related to the original shepherds of the Bible story. Although the shopkeeper considered himself a Palestinian today, Originally, the shepherds were, of course, Jewish. And that makes sense. After all, King David himself was a shepherd from Bethlehem, and he was the forefather of the great shepherd 
Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, is his Hebrew name. In fact, the Bethlehem story goes far back before the birth of Jesus to the Jewish patriarchs and matriarchs, in particular to Rachel. Rachel had died during a journey and was buried very close to Bethlehem. That traditional site is still revered and her tomb is visited by the Jewish people today. There's a tower called in Hebrew Migdal Eder, literally Tower of Eder, mentioned in Genesis chapter 35, 19 uh, to 21, in the context of the death of Rachel, who was the beloved wife of the patriarch Jacob. The biblical record locates the tower near the present-day city of Bethlehem. And I'll read Genesis 35, 19 to 21, just to put it in context. So Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar at her grave. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Israel, that's Jacob, journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Adar. Now, many have attempted to identify the exact location of the tower, but early sources differ on the location. In connection to the birth of the Jewish Messiah, biblical scholars interpret in the Old Testament Micah chapter 4 and verse 8 as a prophecy indicating that the Messiah would be revealed from the tower of the flock, Migdal Eder, which is connected, as I said, with Bethlehem. Based on that Micah 4.8 prophecy, prominent Jewish writers concluded in the Talmudic literature that from all the places in Israel, it would be the Tower of Eder, where the arrival of the Messiah would first be declared. Isn't that fascinating? So please keep the Nativity shepherds in mind as I read that prophecy in Micah 4.8. And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you it shall come, the former dominion shall come, the sovereignty of the daughter Jerusalem. And now I will jump slightly ahead to Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 5, a very famous prophecy about the birthplace of Messiah. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrata, you are one of the little clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Now here's the most extraordinary part of the story. Sources in Talmudic literature document that the flocks of sheep and cattle raised in the fields around Bethlehem were bred for the very special task of being ritual sacrifices in the great temple of Jerusalem, just about four or five miles to the north of Bethlehem. It's awesome to discover and to consider that this fact has contributed to the doctrine of Jesus of Nazareth as the Lamb of God. Jesus, Yeshua, 
is referred to in John chapter 1 and verse 29 as the Lamb of God. And his death is regarded in New Testament as sacrificial for the sins of the world, for all who will believe and put their trust in him as Savior. Now, one of the most powerful statements in the biblical narratives on the birth of Messiah is the proclamation made by the angel of the Lord to the shepherds in the fields outside of Bethlehem. In fact, because I was brought up in a strong evangelical family, some of the scriptures I memorized as a child were the angelic announcement in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 to 12, that says to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So the very first persons to hear the declaration of the good news of the gospel were not the religious or political rulers of Israel, but the shepherds who were keeping their flocks on what may have looked like an insignificant hillside. The Gospel of Luke continues with the angels saying, And this shall be a sign unto you. They're going to find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and peculiarly lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, the scripture says, of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it came to pass as the angels were gone back into heaven, the shepherds came to themselves and they said, let's go now even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. So you see, I never get tired of coming to these fields in Bethlehem because the sounds of angelic singing and the sight of the Shekinah glory of God have graced these very hills. And of course, these shepherd's fields outside of Bethlehem to this day still play a central role in the Christmas celebrations in the Holy Land. Countless tourists continue to visit these beautiful terraced fields year-round. They're untouched by time, and they stand between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. It's fascinating that the church historian Eusebius also linked these shepherd's fields to the unique biblical location called the Migdal Eder, the Tower of the Flock. And as I said, the first time Migdal Eder is mentioned in the Bible is in the account of the matriarch Rachel, who died after giving birth to Benjamin, the youngest son of Jacob. The account in uh, Genesis 35 and 21 says that Jacob journeyed and pitched his tent near or beyond the Tower of Eder. Now, according to the Talmud, all livestock found in the area surrounding Jerusalem, as far as the Tower of Eder, 
were supposed to be holy and consecrated. These could only be used for sacrifices in the temple, in particular for peace offerings and the sacrifices at Passover. They were special consecrated fields around the environs of Jerusalem because Bethlehem is like a suburb of Jerusalem. And you don't realize until you visit the Holy Land how close Jerusalem and Bethlehem really are. We can conclude that the shepherds in the fields of Bethlehem who first heard the good news from the angels were no ordinary shepherds. But I dare say 99.99% of the people in our churches haven't a clue that these shepherds were even Jewish. The shepherds who were visited by the very glory of God apparently served the sacrificial system of the temple. So these men were servants of the Mosaic Covenant, which of course was a foreshadowing of Yeshua and the New Covenant. These Jewish shepherds were suddenly confronted on the night of the Nativity with the reality that the Savior had been born to which their ministry for the temple had been pointing for centuries. Isn't it amazing that the glory of God and the angels declared a new era of salvation that Messiah was born to bring to the whole world and the shepherds were the guardians of that message. When the angelic host appeared that nativity night to the shepherds, it was not just a declaration of the good news to simple men, but it was a powerful prophetic sign to all of Israel because they were involved with the temple. Luke chapter 2 continues with verse 16 that the shepherds went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen this, amain, this amazing scene, they spread abroad the angelic message concerning this holy child. And the Bible account says that all who heard their story marveled and wondered at the things that the shepherds told them. But Mary, of course, kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds glorified, meanwhile, and praised God for all the things that they had heard and seen. You see, the news of that night must have spread like wildfire through the surrounding villages because the shepherds, it says, eagerly shared this great secret. They didn't keep it to themselves as Mary did, pondering it in her heart. The record says that they were heralds. The shepherds broadcast the news wildly. If they had a news agency, they might have called it the Herald of Glad Tidings. God knew they had the proper credentials, really, to spread the good news about the ultimate Lamb of God. As the popular country Christmas carol goes, I want to read you those lyrics. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. 
Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. And the chorus goes, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. And there's more to this lovely carol. It says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. So what does all of this mean for us today? It's always beneficial for the church to recognize that Jesus didn't arrive in this world in a vacuum but he was born into an entirely Jewish context. When Messiah came into this world in the flesh, he was born to the Jewish people, but he would then also bring his favor and good pleasure to the Gentiles, to all men. And the arrival of the wise men from the East did represent the manifestation of the Messiah child to the Gentile nations. And even though the celebration of Messiah's birth has become a feast marked almost exclusively by the Gentile church, it's important for us to see his birth in its historic, Hebraic, and biblical context as a message that was intended to give hope and salvation, first of all, to God's people Israel. And by the way, as I've shared in other past Christmas specials, Bible scholars have determined the actual birth of Jesus occurred in the fall, probably during the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles, not on December the 25th. Well, from the moment Jesus entered the world, the ultimate reason for his, uh, for his arrival was alluded to because of the inclusion of the shepherds in the nativity. These were the shepherds who took care of the sheep and cattle offered in the temple, in particular the Passover sacrifices. It was the shepherds who were confronted with the announcement of the birth of the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus, who would carry away not only the sins of Israel as the Lamb of God, but the sins of the whole world. And just 33 years later, no further sacrifice would be needed because of the cross of Messiah. You see, according to the New Testament, all who believe in him are sanctified and made holy through the offering of the body and blood of Jesus, the Messiah, once for all. Well, let's analyze for a moment the amazing content of the announcement of the angel of the Lord to these special shepherds. It was a profound revelation of the Messiah's identity. He was proclaimed here in these fields to be King, Messiah, and Lord, the Son of Man, but also the Son of God. He would be the Savior of all humanity. This was truly good news, but they weren't to keep it to themselves. 
They were told to act upon it, and they did. They hurried to see the Savior. And then they faithfully proclaimed his birth and his office as Savior. Shouldn't we also follow the example of the shepherds of Bethlehem? You see, according to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 25, Jesus, Yeshua, is the shepherd of our souls, and he died for our sins to redeem us, to reign and rule with him for eternity. And that's why the gospel is called Good News of Great Joy. So we've established that the fact that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem was an established conviction among the Jews. Equally so was the belief that Messiah was to be revealed in the vicinity of the Migdal Eder, the Tower of the Flock, near Bethlehem. This tower was not a watchtower that was ordinary, but it lay close to the town on the road to Jerusalem. And as I said, a passage in Talmudic literature led to the conclusion that these flocks that were pastured at the tower were destined especially for temple sacrifices. And so accordingly, the shepherds who watched over these flocks were not ordinary shepherds. The same rabbinic passage also leads us to infer that these flocks were kept all the year round since they are spoken of as being in the fields 30 days before the Passover. That is in the months of February and March on the Hebrew calendar, when the average rainfall in the Holy Land is the greatest. Thus Jewish tradition in some dim manner apprehended the first revelation of the Messiah from Migdal Eder, the Tower of the Flock, where shepherds watched the temple flocks all the year round. Isn't that beautiful? Think about this. On that glorious night when shepherds watched their sheep and cattle that were destined for sacrificial services in the very area consecrated by tradition where Messiah would be revealed, all of a sudden angels announced the seemingly long-delayed first coming of Messiah. It was in this very hillside that heaven and earth joined together in these sacred fields. Suddenly, the Gospels say, oh, this is one of God's suddenlies. An angelic host dazzled the shepherd's eyes. Edersheim wrote, the outstreaming glory of the Lord seemed to enwrap, enfold them as in a mantle of light. They were surprised. They were awe, fearful. Yes, but not Fear as in judgment, but the awesome joy of good tidings to Israel in waiting. The long-promised Messiah Savior was finally born in the fullness of time in the city of David. And furthermore, the angel directed them that they should go and see him. And how should they recognize him? The sign would be humility. The servant king would be wrapped in swaddling clothes, rags lying in a manger. The angels sang glory to God in the highest, and I can almost hear Handel's Messiah in my ears. Only once before had the words of an angelic hymn been heard, 
And that was when the prophet Isaiah had a vision of heaven's temple opening and Isaiah beheld the glory of the Lord with the angels chanting, holy, holy, holy. What I love about the shepherd's vision is that it was a corporate vision. We're not told how many shepherds saw the heavenly host, but the account says shepherds, plural, and not just one. Corporate visions are awesome and add more validity because of the number of eyewitnesses. When the angelic hymn ceased, the shepherds came to themselves and faithfully remembered that they had been given a specific sign. And they went with haste, and they were no doubt supernaturally guided as they found the newborn laid in a manger. Surrounded by Mary and Joseph, both descendants of King David, and the baby in the manger, of course, was great David's greater son, born in Bethlehem in fulfillment of prophecy and in fulfillment of David's dynasty. In the New Testament, we aren't given any other particulars about the shepherds except for one very important detail. And no details are recorded in the Bible by accident. And that is that they announce the good news about this child to everybody around them. All those in the fields, in the city of David, and most likely in the temple where they brought their flocks. Perhaps the shepherd's witness is what alerted two prophetic people to the coming of Messiah. The prophet Simeon and the prophetess Anna were looking for salvation in Israel, and they prophesied about Yeshua. In fact, the arrival of Mary and Joseph in the temple to dedicate the child in Luke chapter 2 didn't take the prophet Simeon and Anna by surprise. Either they had received direct revelation from the Holy Spirit, or perhaps I can speculate that they had already heard the secret of the shepherds. And so expectancy of the Messiah grew because of their testimony, not only in the hill country of Judea, but also within the wider circle of the holy city of Jerusalem. And yet it seemed all so sudden, so strange, as his second coming will be. The salvation of the world hung upon the slender thread of prophecy in the form of a vulnerable baby. No better shelter was provided for his birth than a crude, fragile stable and no other cradle than a manger for animal food. But was he not the bread of life come down from heaven? Well, I hope you've enjoyed this wondrous story and some of my insights and that you don't grow tired in the cycle of life of commemorating the birth of Jesus, whether you celebrate his birth during the Feast of Tabernacles, during Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights, the Feast of Dedication, or during Epiphany, when we remember the visit of the Magi from the East. I'd like to hear from you, your questions, your comments and your prayer request. So let's stay in touch. You can contact me via our website at exploits.tv where you can obtain your own free copy of our magazine, Exploits. I'd like to send it to you. And we can chat at any time via Twitter or Facebook. Contending for the faith, I'm Christine Dard, wishing you shalom at this holy season. 
Something prophetic, something biblical and surely significant is always happening here in the city of the great king in Jerusalem, the worship capital of the world. We want to thank you for being a part of the Jerusalem channel and for faithfully supporting it. It's because of your support that we're able to bring vital insights in these last days. And we especially want to remind you to receive your free copy of our Exploits Ministry magazine. You can receive it by going 24-7 to our website at exploits.tv. And in the United States, we have a toll-free number. Also in the UK, we have a telephone number so that you can send us your comments, which I always enjoy reading, and your prayer request. I want to pray for you here in the city of the great King. So please stay in touch with me via Twitter, Facebook, or our website. Blessing you from the city of the great King. I'm Christine Darg. Shalom.